My name is Paulina, I study graphic design at Royal Academy of Art in The Hague and you are listening to a series of podcasts with currently enrolled students which aim to bring insights into the programs of different departments at our academy. Happy to have you with us and uh, yeah, let's go! Hello everyone and welcome to another podcast of In Conversation. Today I will have one guest, it's Franz from second year fine arts department actually going to his third year uh, very very soon after the summer and uh, yeah it's nice to have you with me Franz hello yes it's great to be here <laughs> so basically I start each of my uh, podcasts with a short introduction of the speaker to the people who are listening to us so I think it would be great if you could tell me who are you where do we come from and why did you choose fine arts department at the Royal Academy of Art? Yes, uh, I am originally from South Africa. Um, my journey to fine art was quite long. I studied first a little bit of physics and then uh, psychology. I finished that and then worked in psychology for a bit, moving to the Netherlands. I kind of got to reassess in a new sort of socio-economic climate what is possible and uh, applied here and uh, yeah, got in and uh, it's been it's been wonderful ever since really this new creative uh, avenue. That wow, opened. but that's a really interesting story that you have a background in more like a science, I would say, right? Yes, 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 yes. I think uh, yeah, it's gotten less and less scientific as time has has, has <laughs> progressed. But um, yeah, I think it's a really good education that allows you to sort of use all of these past uh, experiences and, and, and life stories mm -hmm. and mine them for content. Uh, we'll get into that later, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. That's uh, really interesting. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to hear more about that. You decide uh, on fine arts, not any, any other department in uh, the Royal Academy here. I was really drawn to the teachers. When applying, I was sort of looking up all the teachers and their work and uh, this sort of movement of more research-based practices. I really en enjoyed that and it kind of made sense with my history in more of the scientific research uh, areas. Yeah, and it is just the kind of freedom that uh, a degree like this gives you both in the degree, uh, mm -hmm. as we'll discuss later, it's it's quite open and... You're free to do whatever you want, essentially. Um, but also in terms of, uh, yeah, for example, with psychology, you kind of have to choose where you want to live for the rest of your life, um, when you study. And uh, I feel like with the arts, it gives a lot more uh, flexibility, mm. actually, afterwards that you can actually practice. So maybe let's, uh, let's talk about fine arts department itself. So could you maybe tell me and to people who are interested in applying to fine art, how does it look like? What is the week of the fine art student? Uh, do you guys have classes every day? Or maybe it's more like you kind of already briefly mentioned that a bit that it's very often, uh, very open, <laughs> very open and that you have a lot of freedom to explore. I'm enrolled, I'm coming to the academy, this is my first day, I'm in the fine arts mm -hmm. department. Yes, first year is quite different to the other three years, yeah, it's a four-year degree total. But first year, you have a totally separate set of teachers, you have classes every day, 
and also a lot of assignments. So uh, maybe one day you will have painting and uh, the next day you will have sculpture and then drawing and then the next day autonome, which is more kind of conceptually driven, uh, where the medium is not central, but the idea is dictating the me medium. And yeah, a lot of assignments every every week, essentially, you will have to sort of finish a piece or present a piece. And um, it's uh, the first year is really high intensity uh, and to kind of push you out of your out of your boundaries and your habitual ways of working. I mean, um, I think everyone who gets in and this is also a little bit maybe advice for people applying is they have very varied portfolios like it's it's good to put a lot of mediums and a lot of experiments in your application but uh, they push you even out of those settings and yeah it's really and also a really interesting part that i didn't actually know before i came here every week or two you have a, a introduction to a new workshop in the school um, so then you'll have an introduction to screen printing or aluminium casting or to the wood workshop and um, that was actually one of the things that I found most interesting because it's it's forcing you to try a new medium and I often found myself working these kind of experiments into my normal assignments and uh, yeah the role of the workshops is something I really underestimated they're really wonderful mm -hmm. as as a student in any department you can go to any workshop you know it's not limited uh in departments of people in fine arts can go to fashion workshop and textile and uh, uh, um, you know sublimation printing and 3d printing and uh, this was really a, a driving force i guess also in the first year of mm -hmm. trying all these new things and yeah things you haven't had access to most people mm -hmm. before coming to an art school so first year if i understood you correctly is um basically pretty intense uh, mm -hmm. in terms of a workload and it's mostly based on a short weekly assignments right yes they, um, get, they get a little bit longer uh, mm -hmm. towards the end of the year you'll be doing projects that are maybe a month or two months but uh, yeah they start really really quick okay um, and you're also encouraged to use uh, to work a lot of the materials and basically they're introducing you to the infrastructure of school and workshops right yes the infrastructure of school and workshops and also the infrastructure of of presenting work and talking about work. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's, that's the, more, the most important infrastructures, at least. And uh, could you, uh, maybe because you mentioned that you have sculpture, painting, and then you have this autonome class. So we have these three classes, or there are, you have also more classes? What, what type of classes, yeah. basically, exactly, you have in the first year? Yes, in the first year you have uh, painting, sculpture, um, autonome, which, again, is this more sort of conceptually driven class you're drawing also kind of pushing the limits of drawing it's it's not it's not sort of life drawing it's it's much more drawing as a research practice um, and then there's also art history and uh, theory classes which are also separate so uh, yeah learning a bit of the history of uh, of art and then also le uh, learning a bit of the theoretical backbone so looking more into philosophy and um, psychology and more sort of academic so those yeah each week consists of, of, of all of those things mm -hmm. and then you're arriving at the end of the first year and what is happening uh, then you have to i heard some rumors in the school that uh, fine art uh, the uh, fine art students have to pick a path after the first year so what does it mean exactly yeah no um after the first year you then you actually get a diploma you get your proper dose of diploma and uh then you continue 
if you want, into one of the three departments, which is either painting, sculpture, it's painting and printmaking, mm-hmm. <laughs> technically. Mm-hmm. Um, painting and printmaking, sculpture, or autonome. These are the three options. And um, the teachers the first year kind of make this choice, or they try and make this choice easier by at the end of the first year, they incorporate actually teachers from each of these higher level departments into your classes as a first year student. The choice is not so clear in terms of medium. For example, there's teachers in painting who also work with sculpture and there's teachers in autonome who also work with painting to some extent. But uh, yeah, you're really choosing a set of teachers who will guide you over the next three years and you're also choosing a, a studio space since all of the all of the departments have a, um, a, a different studio mm-hmm. and each studio has quite a different atmosphere. So you have different studio for sculpture, different studio for painting and different studio for autonomy. Yes. In the first year you don't really have any particular class or studio you guys are assigned to? Ah, yeah. First year you do get a studio. Everyone is together though in uh, in uh, two spaces mm-hmm. uh, and you get a, a desk uh, and you get your own little corner or area and that's uh, quite open plan. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, it's everyone working together. And of. how big is your class? How many people do you have in your class? Our class is about, I'm going to say 35. There's some classes of 30. There's some classes of 40. It's always around this mm-hmm. number. We are arriving at the end of the, the first year. We had a very intense year, a lot of assignments, a lot of tryouts. And then you pick one of these studios. And I wanted to ask you about this autonome studio because... Mm-hmm. As much as I can understand, at least that's what I think, what is painting and sculpture departments, this autonome seems for me very interesting. Yes, it's a, I, I, I also thought it was interesting. I chose it in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I came to Kavika much more focused on painting, but um, over the course of the first year, uh, being pushed in all these directions, I found this more conceptual approach really uh, intriguing. And... Um, I guess, yeah, pretty much painting and sculpture is loosely defined by the medium or as like the starting point is the medium that you, uh, uh, it will be possibly a painting or a sculpture. But um, in autonome, it's much more that you choose the concept first and then you see which, which medium will express this concept um, in the most effective way. And the... Uh, and I think this is reflected by the teachers as well. Uh, wonderful, really energetic set of teachers uh, from really different uh, backgrounds. You have some who work really conceptually and others who are like very maximalist, but kind of doing everything, kind of DJing and drawing and all of these things together. Um, so there's a lot of different ways of approaching this openness. Um, it's also maybe the only department that has a, a bit of a focus on performance. I think a lot of people call autonome, like they say sort of half the students who choose it, choose it because of the kind of conceptual or maybe performative focus. And then the other half is like, oh, after the first year, you maybe don't know exactly which direction you want to go. And then you choose this, which is more open. And then, uh, yeah, I also need to say sort of this choice is not super final. Mm -hmm. Um, you are there's a lot of people switching departments after the second year or even p- perhaps the third year you know 
as your practice develops and as you see more clearly um, what you need and uh, where you're going. So basically it's more like, um, yeah, I wanted to ask to think. So the first thing is that it's more about working with a, a specific tutors, right? Who are like yeah. guiding you kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, the second thing is that I wanted to ask about this because we have this, this sculpture painting and autonome and how... Let's say that I'm, I, after the first year, I chose painting, but during my year, I decided to make a performance. And then, like, how flexible are these boxes, kind of, you know, these departments within itself? Yeah, no, they're extremely flexible, even within themselves. Yeah, a lot of the teachers are also really quite young, and it's quite almost hard to find uh, artists who are working purely in one medium so the, the the teachers in sculpture will have experience with performance and but uh yeah it's really it is really open but yeah th there are definitely differences for example the the painting the teachers in the painting department will be able to give you much more the focused critique yeah. in painting i'm experiencing this as well because i'm also doing painting in autonome and the teachers have a tendency to critique the ideas and not the paintings themselves. So I'm definitely noticing a difference there that yeah, everything is possible, but the only difference is, yeah, the, you will get very different feedbacks from each of these groups of, mm -hmm. of teachers. Um, and so, yeah, that is a choice uh, you have to make. <laughs> yeah, I understand that you have to also navigate through this, uh, yeah, uh, tutors and basically where do you want to go or yes. step in? Yeah, yeah, I see that. Also, um, question about these feedbacks. What is the relation between a tutor and a student in fine arts department? Is it more that you have one-to-one peer-to-peer feedback sessions or do you also have group kind of group feedback sessions? Mm. How does it look like? Yeah, uh, we, have, we have both essentially. Um, yeah, now might be a good time to describe sort of second, third and fourth year once oh, you've chosen nice. your department. So yeah, then it changes quite a lot. Uh, there are no assignments anymore. It's uh, the second, third, fourth year. It's you get a studio, and there are um, studio visits by the tutors every week. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, you, you kind of just develop your practice in conversation with these um, tutors. Uh, it can be quite daunting for a lot of people at first, coming from the first year where there's a lot of structure and there's a lot of assignments and um sort of guidance in that way and then suddenly second year you're completely on your own you have the space the teachers come by but it's not uh it's not dictated what you have to talk about it's not um there's no expectation that you will present you know next week you can present mm -hmm. in two months if you want um I think, yeah, everyone, everyone gets used to it you know mm -hmm. you kind of find what motivates you in, in intrinsically and uh yeah, so it's basically on Monday and Tuesday is, uh, is the teacher talks and you sign up uh, for a time slot and you have a half an hour talk with, uh, with, with the tutors. You, can, you don't have to. You can sign up. You can have two talks in one day with mm -hmm. both of the tutors that are there and then two talks the next day. Um, and uh, yeah, and... Uh, yeah, some people don't don't need those talks mm -hmm. all the time, you know. Um, but I, I have found, at least in autonome, they function quite well. If you do want to have a talk every week, 
uh, with all of the teachers, you can. You can. Mm-hmm. And then um, you can also sign up for a kind of group presentation where you present a project and then all of the students of the department come together and uh, talk about your work and um, critique mm-hmm. it. And you're also going to those critiques uh, throughout the weeks as well. So usually on Monday and Tuesday, we'll have you'll have t- talks with the teachers and then there will probably be a, a presentation of one of the students um, with the teachers and the students present. Uh, yeah, so that's that's Monday and Tuesday. And then yeah, Wednesday, there is mm-hmm. this kind of independent study track, um, which is a whole set of classes that you can choose from. Um, that's not just fine art that is across the whole academy so then you'll be taking classes i mean for example i took a class that was linked with the the national archive in the hague and Mm so we all went you know students from photography and graphic design and fine art and whoever chose this class would um would get to go into the archives and and kind of make projects drawing on this so that's usually the wednesday and there's 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 hundreds of possible classes Mm -hmm. Mm. And Thursday, there's more theory lectures, still continuing theory, more sort of philosophical background to be able um, to kind of situate your work in global discourses. Yeah. Um, and as the years go on, it becomes more and more focused on how you're applying this in your work and um, uh, what does this mean for your practice. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and Friday, there is then the kind of artistic uh artistic research class which is then really focused on um, how do you situate your practice in the global mm-hmm. discourse nice. yeah. sounds really nice i like it and um how about you like um who are you as a student who are you as an artist uh what is your how would you describe your practice or like what are the methods of format you're basically working with i think it would be also nice to talk about it to also introduce to our listeners the community of students we have at the kbk and what are their interests so mm-hmm. yeah i would love to hear about that yes yes um so my practice is yeah like i said i came uh for painting but uh um, eventually got more exposed to these uh, conceptual ways of working and it has really uh, gone that direction quite strongly um an example what uh you can maybe describe yeah. one of your recent work yes. you you finished or you did mm-hmm. uh, one of the projects we did i actually did this at the end of the first year but it was kind of a uh, a big uh, sort of arrow as to where i should go um <laughs> but uh it was a it was a collaborative project with someone in the first year um and we w- were kind of we were trying to find sort of common interests and we both had sort of interest in biology and art theory and kind of trying to bring these things together and we ended up uh, talking a lot about the idea of, of reproduction and uh, we, we just sort of had classes on Walter Benjamin and this idea of that reproduction in the arts kind of brings the object away from truth mm-hmm. you know um, that it kind of loses the aura if you reproduce it a lot of times but um, we kind of compared it then to reproduction in evolution, that uh, reproduction is this kind of driving force of evolution, that it can uh, actually be a, a kind of creative force. Um, and also in science, 
and here's the like one one year of physics background mm -hmm. this idea that that an, an experiment is only valid if uh, if it's reproduced like a lot of times so in in physics for example this uh, the more you reproduce an experiment the more accurate the data gets you know mm -hmm. so you have mm -hmm. this opposite views of what um sort of copying does like in the arts it kind of brings you aw away from truth and in sort of the sciences it brings you towards truth and so this dichotomy we made sort of an installation with um just playing with this idea of a, a reproduction so we we kind of took uh, uh his grandma had this art book and uh we we kind of reproduced a page of the art book mm -hmm. in sort of huge like life-size scale so then immediately we're working with ceramics and uh, wood construction and um, this kind of reverse engineering for going from the reproduction to the real one. And then also we ended up uh, another page of the book. We ended up 3D printing the, the kind of ancient Greek and Roman sculptures, mm -hmm. exactly the size that they were represented in the book because we ended up noticing that uh, no matter what art book you look at, all of like the same artwork usually has the same size you know that it had to kind of evolve to mm -hmm. be this size in order to be in order to survive the art history and so it drove us into all these different directions also like a uh, paint by numbers version of the, the william morris's tree of life that that kind of yeah, nature is not this uh this sort of magical creative moment it's mm -hmm. this really tedious process of copying and copying and mm -hmm. again so that this is almost more um accurate example but it was just yeah so we we uh started with this kind of idea and then it drove us into all these different mediums um to create a kind of constellation of pieces that uh that investigates this um so that was really that was a really fun one i really enjoy when the idea kind of expands itself and that's also when you realize like wow this is a really kind of amazing place to be mm -hmm. because you everything happens so quickly and then you realize oh i have to go to ceramics and then ceramics <laughs> is there like ready for you you know or oh, i need uh, to go to metal workshop and then they're there like it uh, the school really facilitates this kind of fl uh, really quick fire flexibility mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. yeah totally and how about uh, jumping to to another question how about your expectations expectations versus reality if you had any expectations before coming to KBK and if if something was different when you finally arrived to the academy? Mm, I think my expectations were not super clear because there was not a lot of information available, <laughs> <laughs> I think, because I also applied online and I didn't really come to open day or anything. So I was going in kind of blank, um, I think it's more to do with the uh, expectations of yourself and what you will do. I think that always changes quite a lot that you come in expecting you are one kind of person and you like some mediums and then the, through the process of the education you kind of um, those expectations are broken mm -hmm. um, and you f end up doing things that you almost wouldn't have guessed you would do. One thing that has exceeded expectations is just kind of the availability of the workshops. I thought, you know, like it's it's a there's like 800 students, I think, mm -hmm. and um, 
So I thought the workshops would be like extremely busy or kind of um, booked, booked, yeah. and uh, and sure, like definitely sometimes of the year it is near the end. It's it can get kind of hectic, um, and I know for f- photography, it's it's kind of a a battle always to book printers and things. But I mm-hmm. think for fine arts, it's uh, yeah. I'm really I was really surprised how quickly you can just walk into workshops and someone will help you like also I, I you know <laughs> I also there's one project where I, I thought it was like an engraving in metal what mm-hmm. I was had to do and I got a metal workshop and then they're like no this is not an engraving this is a chemical etching mm-hmm. and then I'm like okay I, I've never done this before this the, the, where do I have to go and like no you have to go to like the 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 printmaking workshop for this and then okay i'll go to the printmaking workshop and i'm like hey what is a chemical etching and they're like i could teach you how to chemical etch in like 15 minutes sure and then they have all the all the things there and just kind of yeah within half an hour i was chemical etching you know so (laughs) like an hour ago i thought i was gonna have to do engraving Mm -hmm. and then you end up in a totally different process um so that is actually a positive expectation Yes. And how about what what is the um, what type of, for what type of people uh, fine art is a good choice or what type of student is like the one who fits the fine art department? I think you definitely have to be really self motivated, uh, curious. Um, it, uh, that really, especially in the in the later years, when you kind of have to be only. Uh, uh, propelled by your own interests yeah. it's really important um also yeah i mean a lot of it is left up to you uh also in terms of uh, making connections and, and and kind of trying to make this a viable uh road in a way mm-hmm. mm. i think yeah curiosity is a, a big one driven force <laughs> yes, a driven force. Yeah, it's like a little boat and you have to kind of, you have to be the wind and yeah. also, or like you have to find the wind. <laughs> I'm not really sure. Um, but yeah, also being able to deal with quite a lot of uncertainty, I think. Yeah. It's also important. Um, a lot of the students have done other things before. So I think then it's quite, then you've already seen what you're avoiding in a yeah, way or yeah, you yeah. you can like look back and like, yeah, like, I, it's it's really uncertain what I'm doing now and like whether or not this is going to be viable, but I've already done the other option mm-hmm. and know that I don't want to do that. So we'll make this work here, you know. Um, yes, curiosity and being able to um, accept uncertainty is yeah. definitely... Summing up and jumping to the last question of our conversation is living in The Hague and how do you find living in The Hague? What is the landscape of the city? And um, uh, maybe you have any favorite spots to recommend to the people who are listening to the, to us or to people who are coming to the academy very soon. Mm-hmm. Yes, The Hague is interesting. We, so, yeah, we're kind of only just coming out of COVID. And so the first year and a half probably was COVID The Hague. Mm-hmm. And so then it was it really felt like I didn't really get to know the city that well. Um, but now that it's open, mm, there's definitely really nice small uh, art spaces. Um, 
like for that actually have a surprising presence i think the city is not that exciting mm-hmm. to be to be mm-hmm. honest mm-hmm. like it feels really small and uh there's not really a lot of other universities so it feels like there's like kabeka and like everyone who works in government and that's it mm-hmm. <laughs> almost uh so definitely like a city like amsterdam feels much more alive in a way but i think in terms of the arts it actually is really alive and there's really nice pockets um for example yeah some of my favorite galleries like this one called west that is uh situated in an uh, what used to be the u.s embassy really wonderful uh exhibitions there mm. there's another one called nest confusing but you know <laughs> it's a small and really interesting space and they're like engaging a lot with students um and really lovely exhibitions <laughs> yes. so west and nest and also there's a place called 1646 uh, uh there's there's quite a few small ones but i forgot uh, uh, a lot of them quartier is also really nice and really anything that the students are putting up this, this place is like Trixie yeah. and uh, yeah definitely check them out um the dutch art world is really small uh so i went to venice uh recently for the mm-hmm. biennale and mm-hmm. it was kind of absurd because uh in on our second day we're sitting at a table and we like it comes out that like turns out all the people around us are also from the hague <laughs> like it was so strange and then we ended up they, they ended up sneaking us into the like the uh, the dutch pavilion after party yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, that was the whole Dutch art world in one room, you know, and it, it is just really absurd to see, you know, because you actually do end up recognizing a lot of the people. Because, yeah. yeah, the people who are active in The Hague are kind of active all over the place. And I didn't really realize that The Hague played sort of an important mm-hmm. role in the Dutch art world, but it seems like it kind of does. Yeah, uh, for sure. And I totally agree that there are really plenty of small places or small initiatives slash galleries in The Hague. So mm. there is really a lot of opportunity to do things here. And what is also nice, it's this opportunity is also for students. So you don't have to be established, graduated artists mm-hmm. to just like exhibit your work at one of these places. You can just be a student and reach out. And there are very often a lot of collaborations with uh, KBK as well. Mm-hmm. So I totally agree that the, this, this art scene in The Hague is very, very much alive and mm. vibrant. So, yeah, totally. Uh, Well, I think it's summing up uh, our conversation pretty well. I think we covered Mm -hmm. a lot. So thank you very much, Franz. And to everyone who's listening to us, I was just, uh, we're talking about Fine Arts Department at the Royal Academy of Art. I was talking to Franz, who I should actually say is a third year Fine Arts student already. Uh, I think I passed. (laughs) So, yeah, thank you very much for your time. Yes, thank you so much. It's been really wonderful.